Judges chapter 17 and verse 6. In those days there was no king in Israel. Mm -hmm. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. What we're going to talk about today is morality. Morality. Now, what is morals? Morality comes from morals. It, it, it supplements from morals. It's a person's standard of behavior or belief concerning what is and is not acceptable for them to do. We got to understand our children have to be taught morals. Now, where are they? Where do they get their morals from? Do they get their morals from the world? Do they get their morals from their parents? Or do they get their morals from God? From God. Now, well, why would they get it from the world? They spend more time there. And with us, we're more busy. We're busier. I'm not going to go use it. I'm not going to go to the negative side and say, well, we don't take time. No, we're just busy. We're going to leave it right there. We're a lot busier. We have a lot more things going on. So our child is left to be taught by the television, by the world, by what they see at school, by the things that the people there hang around. You know a fox together and you know a book by its cup. That's what, what you're around. Right now, Chisholm is walking around as a porous sponge. What I mean by porous, he's soaking up everything. Everything. At that age, I was soaking up everything. Good, bad, and I picked up everything. Just sucked it all in. I didn't learn to have a filter until I got into my teens, late teens, and realized I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But by that time, a lot of the young boys and young girls had already made life-changing mistakes. They had already made mistakes. Some of them had already had children. Some of them had already committed felonies. Some of them had already did some things that was going to cost them, uh, follow them the rest of their lives. So we need to make sure that we're teaching them the right way. People can have different morals, and you might say, I like his morals, or I wonder about his morals. Your morals or your ideas, ideas or ideology about right and wrong, especially how you should act and treat other people. What is morality defined for by God? Morals are the prevailing standards of behavior that enable people to live cooperatively in groups. Now, do we sometimes have to go along to get along? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we do. Do we conform? Be honest, don't we conform to the world? How many times have you seen someone stand up and I'm standing up for God? That's wrong. I'm not going to do it. Very few. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we kind of soak down too. We'll say that. I don't want to do that. They're wrong. Y'all are wrong. But we'll never see anyone stand up like Paul or stand up and say, no, I'm not going to do that. Even think about going all the way back to David when he was a child. There was certain things. He said, I'm not going to do that. And I don't want to wear your armor. No. He had a relationship with God. There were certain things that he wouldn't do. We have to establish a moral standards in our children before they get to where we are. Amen. Yeah. Because when they get to us, they're going to be a lot more confused. Remember what I said. It is a lot easier to teach someone that doesn't know than to teach someone that has some kind of knowledge. Because now you've got to take all that away and then to add this into it. Amen. Morals refer to what society sanctions as right and acceptable. What does the world say? See, if, if, if Congress votes something in, 
That doesn't mean God is accepting it. Right. It doesn't mean that. But we believe by the laws, those laws, we are not held by the laws of men. We're held by the laws of God. Of God. That's what we got to understand that. People tend to act morally and follow societal guidelines. Morality often requires people to sacrifice their own short-term interests for the benefit of society. Morality is a central theme in the Bible. There is a constant tension between God's law and man's law. Humanity is constantly treading the line between evil desires of the flesh and God's word. Acts chapter 5 verse 29. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. How hard is that? How hard is that? What is he, what is he saying? We ought to obey God rather than men. So you're telling me that sometime, uh, sometimes that man is going to go away from what God tells him to do? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. A lot of times. I never wanted someone to talk. It's one thing to have a testimony, a testimony for God, but it's another thing to have a testimony of what you believe is your righteousness. No. What is right with God? And righteousness, if you need to know, righteousness is just morals of God. Being right is being morally right with God. Now, the Bible, which contains God's revealed moral will, in his law and commandments, is his revelation to his people. As such, the Bible becomes a source of morality because the Bible is the very word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. A lot of these scriptures we have gone over before, but I like to go back over so you have a better understanding what it, the context of the scripture. A lot of times we take things out of context. Now you understand what he's meaning by this, that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. All scripture. Everything that's written is the inspiration of God, and it is powerful for doctrine, for learning, for reproof, for, re, re, uh, for correction, and for instructions in morality. Righteousness, morality. Go look it up. The same thing, being right morally. We don't worry about being right in the world. We want to be right with God. Why? Because God judges us. That's why the Bible is a book of laws. Because if we didn't have the laws, we would live lawlessness. Or lawlessly. We'd do what we want to do. And that time there was no king, and everyone did what was right in his own eyesight. If you took away the Bible, and we put down, and we sit down, and we had a, had a, um, uh, what was I looking for? Um, I maybe 10 questions about the things that we believe a priority in life, or we believe that things should be a certain way, I guarantee you, all of them, every one of us would be different. Except for maybe your closest people because you influence them. But I bet you if you took away the Bible, just threw the Bible away, and you go about what you feel is right and wrong, every one of us here will have something different. And I'm quite sure the prioritization of it, what you believe that should come first, is not the thing that I think should come first. That's why it's so important that we understand this, even in the church, because you can bring your morals or your understanding of morality into the church, and you can implement that or push that agenda on the church. Again, when the Bible has told us specifically how to do such and such and such. But because of the lack of knowledge, you're just pushing what you know. Some people don't, I know some people that don't know how to read, but yet and still, they're the most brilliant minds you can come up with. 
they learn how to do things in spite of. But does that mean you're doing it correctly? I remember when I was in college and I was doing some things, doing projects, and I remember the professor was telling me, well, early, I see you, the, you, you worried about the means to an end. So what he was saying is that I wasn't doing it the way it was supposed to be done, one, two, three, and four, but at the end of it, it came out right. But what he's saying is that, you know what, that's not, that don't work for everybody. You have a formula, just like teachers, when you're doing math, you have a formula to come up with A equals blank equals C. It's a formula to find out where B is, that is B. It's a formula to understand multiplication. And you use that formula, and if you use that formula every time, you never, ever fail. But when you start doing it on your own, Failure you, you're nuts. And what if I try to teach you my way? Then I'm following you. There you go. You're following me. Now I'm your leader. Now, I might have come to my understanding a different way than you did. A whole different way. Because of what I've experienced. Because of the things I've gone through. Now because I've gone through those things, because I've experienced those things, I come up to my understanding. That's where I get my ideology from. I get it by from what I've learned and what have I experienced. By the morality, the morality of man's morality comes from the word of God. It does not come from society. It does comes from my parents. It does not come from my job and it doesn't come from my political opposition. It comes from God, amen? Look at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. How is that? Come on, let's, get, let's exegete that scripture. Let's get a crucial understanding. What it means, for prophecy never came by the will of God. Understand, prophecy is what God is telling you his will. He says, never came by the will of man. You don't understand, you, can, you didn't come up with that. I studied this, and the Holy Spirit comes along and guides me. It takes me here. Sometimes I start off going down one path, and as I'm studying, I'm studying them, I, 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 go to another, I go to another lane. I don't try to figure out what's going on. I just say, that's God. That's where God wants me to go with it. That's where God moves me to do that. That's the reason why it's so important that you go to Bible class where you can learn to eat fish. No one I know has ever got a piece of fish and started eating it without picking the bones out. Anything that I go, I have to be able to pick the bones out and know what's right and what's wrong. You got to understand what is God inspired and what is not. Now, the Bible says to test the spirit. We're talking about Genesis all the way to Revelations. Some people don't even know that the book of Nahum is in there. Some people don't know we have a book called Obadiah, the book of Jude. So what is the first two words of that scripture? What's the first two words of Tim, first, Second Timothy 3.16? All scripture. All scripture. If you, don't, if you don't challenge yourself, if you don't study all scripture, you're not going to know it. You know I'm different than me putting together Casey's bicycle when she was seven years old. I didn't read all the instructions. I read part of the instructions. That's why the Bible, I mean the Bible, that's why the bike fell apart as soon as she got outside. Because I read part of it. That's no different than us living part of the Bible. Can you live part of the Bible? No. Can you be, can you be partially baptized? No. Can you be partially right? 
That's why morality is so important that we understand. It's not about my, what I believe. It's about what God believes. Amen. It's, it's it. What God thinks. God is just trying to get what he's trying to do. Is trying to, I know this is what you think. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to take all that what you think and throw that aside and give you the mind of Christ. Not any of yours early. I don't need none of early in there. I need it all to be of God. Because if I try to stir a little early in there, now you know what? It's tainted. It's tainted. You know what we end up doing? We do it for each other. I want to show you how much I know. See, as long as you think that I'm a good man and I'm a holy man, it's all right. I could be the most crooked, most wicked person that you can come around. But as long I can make it, but my conscience is taken care of, knowing that you know what you pat me on the black, I'm doing pretty good. But I can go home and beat my wife like a beater rug. I can, you know what? I can be the meanest, most vile person that you come across. But yet still, you know what? I can put that tie on, slick back that hair. Put that all on and come on in and smell like, you know, like some roses. But I can be a morally corrupt person. That's it. And I hate to say it, but you know me. You got a lot of people like that. So when you find out that these people are who they are, you know what you're doing? You're judging them on your level of morality and not God. Judge me on what God says. He says, test the spirit. How are you going to test the spirit if you don't know how to test? Every one, of, every one of you here who are educators, you have to be, you have to test your students. What are you testing them on? On knowledge of what you taught them. Where does our knowledge come from? The Bible. The Bible. Not how you feel. The Bible. The story of Micah that you brought up is mm -hmm. absolutely excellent because if Micah in that in the same story, right. he, he took shackles and paid a silversmith to make, make a image to foreign God. Right. Yeah. And so he trusted his judgment. His judgment wasn't any good. Well, I tell you what, now, uh, we're going to use that example. Now we're talking about society, how they're pushing their agenda on you and you smoke, and we're Christians and how we fall to it. Look what happened to Aaron. Look what happened to Mary. Moses just went to Crockett. Before you know it, he come back, Aaron is up there helping make a golden calf. He's looking around like that. You know better. You're a priest. You know better. You know that God sent you to help Moses. So why did this man of God all of a sudden turn out to be part of, 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 the, of the, the church going away from God? What if they come after you? And they tell you, well, we shouldn't, be, well, we don't want to do that. We want to have a band in here. My son plays the drums. <laughs> he plays pretty good. That's why we speak where the Bible speaks. <laughs> silent words, silent. That's it. Show me in the Bible where someone's playing drums in the New Testament. Show me in the Bible where somebody's playing a guitar in the New Testament. And then it says, don't add or subtract from the word of God as well. You don't see it in there. Sing and make melody. How hard is that for? But you know what happens? Now what happened morally? I believe that it's okay. Well, see, the problem is because we we care about numbers more than we care about. Oh, don't get me to go down that hole. God has never ever been worried about a packed house. You got it. Never. He said, "Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life." Everybody ain't going to heaven. 
If God cared about numbers, he'd have drowned in Noah and saved the world. That's it. Yeah, that's right. That's it. Really. He chose 12. He could have chose 12,000. Every time he says that. But it's the truth. You think God has really cared about numbers? He's not. Why do we care so much about numbers? Yeah. Yeah. Image, what it looks like. What it look. And you know what? We spend more time on image than anything. You know what? You know what most people spend, most business spend their money on, except lawyers? And PR. You know what? When something happened, we got we to spend that. We got to spend it quickly. We got to spend it. God told me to preach this. And I got up there and said, you know what? Brother, if you preach that again, you're going to get fired. You think I wouldn't preach it? I know you would. I'll preach it the next Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I'll preach it. I'm just. That's right. You get a double dose of it. You get a double dose of it. Because you know the things. I realize who sustains me. I know where my blessings come. It don't come from you. But see, man holds that carrot over each other. You got to do it my way. And that's why he says, that's the reason why he talks about the, 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 the love of money. And you notice how much God talks about money, chasing after money in the Bible. Do you realize that? How many parables is talking about money? Because you know why? Because that, that's what rules us. That's what rules us. It's money. People will do anything for a dollar. That's what ruins us. Yeah, oh yeah, we know it ruins us. Yeah, it ruins, really, it ruins us. The thing is, we've taken God out of the equation, and we think that we have to run the church because God don't know how to do it. Really, his son established the church. So you know what? If I'm crooked and I'm corrupt, you know what? It's going to be found out. Oh, it's going to be found out. Everything that's done in the dark will come to light. And so you know what? If you want a good preacher, pray for the one you got. Pray for the one you got. But my my responsibility to God is to give. That's my responsibility. It's not to look at early. God has that. You have elders to look at that. Got to look at that to keep me in line. But if you got a man of God that's sitting there preaching to you every Sunday, and that man, he's morally corrupt, then you know what? He don't need to be up there. Amen. He don't need to be up there. Now, I'm not saying that someone, we don't have, we don't have problems. I'm not saying that we don't have, uh, we, we fall, because we all do. Don't put me up there on no, no pedestal. I'm telling you right now. Don't put me up there. If you put me up, that's your business. I'm a man just like Brother Taylor, just like Sam, just like Ray. Only thing is I have a different vocation and a different calling than you do. But James 3 and 1 talks about that I have to be careful because, you know, of my calling and my responsibility. Because you know what? I'm going to be judged differently. Because I know better. It's just like when you're going out with your kids and everybody's and at the family reunion and all the kids are running around there wild and somebody breaks somebody's window. You don't, you, all of them was out there, but you look at yours different. Like my mama used to say, well, I know it's going to be some furniture move when we get home. <laughs> they did it. I don't worry about them. You belong to me. You belong to me. Y'all understand that type of preaching? You belong to me. Something that you can relate to. Again, I was saying about bringing the children in here and having them in, in this part. And I don't mean children. I'm talking about the teenagers and the, and, the, and, the, and the preteens. They need to understand is that our morals that we get, we get them from God. 
Because what the world is telling that this is okay and it's going against everything that God is saying. And so what happens is you have a little girl that's 12, 12 13, 14 years old thinking it's okay to go and have an abortion. It's okay to get, uh, get, uh, uh, get pregnant. It's okay for these things. And we have some older people that are so stuck in their ways we don't want to talk about that. You better. You better. You'll have a problem on your hands. What happened? The devil threw out so many things out there that we started being focusing on other things. You know what he started doing? He throws something over there, we run. Throw some over there, we run. And while we're running out there and we're fighting each other, he's coming through the back door. Just establishing his kingdom. Building up his kingdom. Because you know why? Nobody's watching the store. And you know what happens is the church is fighting each other. We're in here fighting over the color of the carpet. We're here sitting here talking about stuff that we shouldn't even be talking about. We're not winning souls and we're not showing them that the Bible is God's inspired word. We're not telling them that you need the Lord. We're not telling them that you need to be baptized. We're not doing that anymore. And what we do and how we feel good about it, we go out there and we do like, you know, you go to the used car lots and they have those things that they're blowing up that they're doing all that to get your attention. That's what we do. We do that. And so we feed them chicken to make us feel good. We give them candy and all that. That's the only reason they come. But then, you know, and so we're growing. Look how many people came. Did they come for the Lord? Did they come for the chicken? Amen. See, social club. And then you know what? We, we cut back on them. And all of a sudden you find out is what the Bible says. Now is the time for the real, true worshipers of God to come. They never was with us. John 6 and 66. They never was with you. They just came along. How many times people come over your house just to eat? <laughs> Think about that. You know, you know, it's on Thanksgiving. People just show up at your house. Hey, came by to see how you're doing. No, you didn't. You know, it's dressing over here. I ain't seen you since Moby Dick was a minnow. Then I was saying, hey, cuz, been thinking about you. You wasn't thinking about me last week. You wasn't thinking about me March 3rd, June 6th. September 11th, I'm just making up number days. You weren't thinking about, but you were thinking about me then. Why? Because you were thinking about what you could get. We don't come here for what we can get. We come here for what we can give. God wants our sacrifice, our living sacrifice. Once I teach you about God and the essence of God and what God has done, I can't do anything but praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I cannot miss I got to be in the house of God. You don't have to call me. You don't have to beg me. You don't have to tell like a kid. If you come to church, you know what? That, that, you're talking about a child, but I'm talking about us as, as children of God that should understand the foundation of God is that God is love and God is grace. We shouldn't have to be made to do it. But what we do, we spend time on existential things, things that don't mean a hill of beans to God and all the things that we should be worried about. We've allowed the world to go and, and be first. That's what we've done. So now we will sit around here and we're arguing with each other and we want to know, well, if you look back and you take you take the census like David did of, of the of the children of our children and our grandchildren who are faithful to God, it'll be sad. I do it not to make you feel bad, but I do it to bring you to your understanding. God says you have to remember these things. 
generation that knew not God. Think about Joshua. Joshua said, for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Two generations went back there and it took them 10 generations to bring them right back to God. This is happening right now. You go to any church of Christ that's in America, look and see a, a second generation and third generations of those that are faithful there. They're not. They're not. Because you know what? We failed them. We failed for the okie doke. It's kind of like, you know, when you're walking around there in the quarters in, 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 in uh, New Orleans and they, and they, they, and they sitting there with the, with the cards, something else. Morality is based on becoming God. Without God, there's no such thing as morality. What you understand, without God, there's no such thing as morality. You prefer that people don't, didn't destroy things or hurt people. But if someone else doesn't prefer those things, then without appealing to God, there's no way to establish which of you is actually right. Right now, we have people saying that it's okay to kill babies. And other people will fight you just as hard to say that it is okay. Who's morally right? We know that God is right. We know that. But we're saying that they have no Lord, no God. But I want you to understand this. This comes from humanism. Humanism. Humanism is defined as a doctrine, attitude, or a way of life created on human interest of value. What I believe and what I think. I tell you all the time, it doesn't matter what you think. Who cares what you think? I don't base my relationship of coming to church on my family's needs. Because I'm a minister. I minister to God's people. So the need of my family has to be secondary to me doing God's work. When I do God's work, God will take care of my family. Mm -hmm. I don't bring their needs here. Where was Peter's family? Where was Moses' family? Come on, I'm waiting. Good point. You don't hear it. He left them. So he left. He was doing God's work. It was sacrifice. You don't think God took care of him? You don't think God's going to take care of my family if I'm doing God's work? That's the kind of God I serve. I'd rather sit around and my kids say, well, you never was there because you know what? You was always at church. You're right. You're right. And you know what y'all do? Y'all allow that to make you feel bad. Oh, I'm such a bad father. Because I was not at the bar. Because I was not around chasing the ball at the golf club. I was doing God's work. God's going to take care of my family. The Bible says, seek ye first your family. And all these things shall be added unto you. Mm -hmm. Karen, Matthew 6 and 33, Karen. Seek ye first God. Seek ye first God? Okay, maybe I was at the wrong version. Yeah. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So, so where does family come in? Where does family come in? After God. Then the man come and said, let me go and bury my family. He said, let the dead bury what? The dead. Let the dead bury. You're talking about spiritually dead. Let the, hey, you do my work. I'll take care of that. See, when we put in our knees before the church, we're putting our knees before God. You can't, do, you can't raise your family through the church. You can rear your family. You can teach them. 
But the Bible tells us to go home and see the thing is, we want the church to do everything. The Bible tells you to go home and says, teach them to them in, at home. Put it on the door sills. Talk to them in the morning when they get up, when they go to... A lot of that needs to be done at home. See, what we see, we see Hippocratic work going on. You ain't saying that you're a totally different person at home than you are at the church. Oh, amen, Brother Copeland. I know I stepped on some toes. Amen, Brother Copeland. What you see is what you get with me. Humanism. Notice that humanism is centered around human interests instead of godly interests. Humanism. And humanism is interested, interested in self-realization instead of spiritual realization in Christ. So each one of us must decide if we're going to be embraced humanism or God. We cannot embrace both. Look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. I told you you're going to see these scriptures that you've seen before. Matthew 6 and 24. You're going to see these scriptures that you've seen before. As I repeat. But you're going to see them in a different context. This is the context in which this scripture was written. Okay. Which written? Man, we got it. It was really getting good, wasn't it? For no one can serve two masters, for he e will either hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Ain't that something? You can't do both. You can't do it. You can't be in the world and holding that banner up for the world and then turn around saying, I'm a child of God. Amen. Because it's not going to always be in sync. So what comes first? Me being a Democrat, me being a Republican, or me being a Christian? Okay, then. Well, why do we put that before everything? Why do we? Why do we do more for that than we do for God? We'll get out there and knock on people's doors, but we ain't going to knock on nobody's door by going to Bible class. But we still won't go out there and tell somebody, hey, yo, you voting for Beto? You voting for Beto? Oh, well, you know, we'll do that. We'll spend money to them. We'll send money to them. I'm going to help you out. But you know what? We won't give in church. Oh, Brother Copeland, that guy. Ooh, I'm on fire. Come on. <laughs> oh. Give me one more, Brother Taylor. Let me, let me sneak one more in, Brother Taylor. Humanistic philosoph philosophies and interests contradict the Bible, and therefore they are contrary to God living. Look at Gal Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24. We'll stop on that one. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Those who are Christ. We're talking about, we're talking about the church of Christ in Galatia. He's talking to the body of Christ. He said those who are Christ have crucified. When you're, when you're baptized what do you do? The death, burial, and resurrection. You are crucified with Christ. He said, but you know what he says? The, and, and with the flesh, how I feel, what I think, with his passion and his desires. I can't get what I want. I have to get what God wants. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now, as we understand the morality part of the humanistic side, is I have no I. I have no dog in the fight. This is what God wants me to do. As I was learning and as I was growing and maturing, I had to I had fights with myself. Because you know what? Have you ever said, you know what, boy, boy, I really want to do this. He didn't say this to me, man, I really want to go. I want to tell him. So, but I can't do that. I can't do that because that's not godly. I can't do that because you know what? This is not what God's expectation of me is. That's the humanist, or humanism, or humanistic part of me. But I'm supposed to be a spiritual being. We worship God in spirit and in truth. Not how I feel. So when some people come to, if they don't get a, get a feeling in their stomach, if they're not emotional, they don't feel that they worship. 
Now, when I come in contact with God's spirit, when my spirit comes, now it, then the emotion will come. But if I'm looking for emotion only, then you know what? I'm not worshiping God correctly. It's kind of like, well, you know, I was sitting there, you know, they didn't sing my song. You know, I just didn't, I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling, what you mean you wasn't feeling it? What do you mean you wasn't feeling it? I come here with gout, I come here with high blood pressure and all that. But you know what? I sit in there and I think about God. I think about when we're getting ready to go into our worship, going into communion, when Dan gets up here and he explains, and he's explaining it to you, because he wants you to really think about, because most of us have been eating and drinking damnation to ourselves, because you know what you're thinking about? Oh, Lord, I need to get out of here. This chicken place is going to close. You know what? I hope they didn't burn that roast. I mean, you know what? It's Halloween tomorrow. I wonder where we're going. You ain't thinking about Jesus. And understanding that with that sacrifice that he did for us, this is supposed to be a solemn engagement. It's not a time for us to celebrate. We should be thinking about the cross, about what he's done for us. Well, you know what? Well, we should have been there. We need to take it more serious. But we were doing everything is on the clock. We need to start on time. We need to end on time. We need to start on time. Really? So you're going to be the one in heaven, the timekeeper in heaven? I don't think you're going to make it. He said, we're going to be around the throne just singing hallelujah all day. All day long. See, it talks about our spirituality and our maturity in God. Amen? We're going to stop right there.